0: Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Wow, that was impressive. I've just got to say that, that that was an unbelievable welcome that you guys just, just gave. Let's just, just for kicks and giggles, let's just try this one more time. How are you all doing this morning? It's a little bit better, a little bit better. I appreciate that. Thank you for humoring me. Hey, my name is TJ. One of the pastors here, we're glad that you're with us this morning as we're continuing this series. What if, and we're just talking about what if this year could be different. What if you could have and see all the things that God has for your life? What if you could just not continue to go through life and just have an ordinary, mundane, normal life? But what if God had something that was absolutely extraordinary for you? What if you could really see that come to fruition in your life? Like, what would that look like? And we started off last week and we talked about this idea that what if we got outside the box of our life? The the place where we find comfort, the place where we find security, the place where we find, where, where we feel like we're in control of the situation. What if we were to to get outside of that and step out in faith and see God do some incredible things, even though we might not understand it all, even though we might not have it all figured out, but we would step out and trust him. And And I'm, my hope is, is that a whole bunch of you guys will do that this year, because I do believe with all of my heart that God has got some incredible things. And he doesn't just want this to be another year that we just kind of float through and, oh, check that off, 2016 is complete. But he wants us to really experience something incredible. And so this week and over the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about some different scenarios, about what if we change some different areas of our lives. And today we're really going to be focusing in on our our finances. What if we had a different financial future than where we're currently headed? Because if we were really, really honest, a lot of our financial outlooks do not look probably very good just based on the statistics that are out there when it comes to finances um, this week, I just did some some basic searches, and 62% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, which means that at any moment, people are on the verge of financial disaster. One injury at work, one missed paycheck, and all of a sudden, man, everything is not good in your life. That's that's a big concern to me as a pastor. Like I don't want people to be in financial disarray. Uh, another one that that I saw that really kind of blew my mind is that the average American is walking around with $15,608 of consumer credit card debt. That's a lot of credit card debt that the average person is walking around with. And on top of that, 52% of the people that are out there, according to statistics, will only make the minimum payment on that credit card debt. So that means for the next 30 years, you're going to be making minimum payments. And at the end of those 30 years, you're still going to have debt. Because you're not making any dent in that. And that just, that bothers me as a pastor. Like, I don't want to see us walking around like that. Another one that kind of blew my mind is since the year 2007, they analyzed where we were in 2007. It's been almost 10 years. We are 40% poorer as individuals than we were almost 10 years ago. Like, instead of heading in the right direction, meaning we're having more savings, we're having more disposable income at our fingertips, we're actually doing worse off than we were 10 years ago. Like, that is frightening to me about the state where a lot of us find ourselves at. The average 28-year-old has $29,000 of consumer credit out there. The one that really blew my mind, though, is that over the last five years, more people have filed bankruptcy than have graduated college and if those stats don't shock you it's probably because to some degree you're living in the middle of it and and i think about that and i think about the realities that a lot of us are facing and it makes me think of this verse in hosea that says my people are ruined because they don't know what's right or what's true we're being ruined because we don't know what's right or what's true. We're, we're, we're going through, and we're living, and we're trying to figure it out, and we're just kind of coasting through life, and we haven't figured out the correct path and the correct direction of where to go when it comes to finances. And I think that there, there's a couple of reasons for that. One of them is, is because we just live with this discontentment in life. A lot of us just have this discontentment that follows us all around. Uh, and, and you see this In in your life, I know I see it in my life. I'll, I'll go to the mall, and I'll be perfectly content with everything in my life. I'm happy with how I look. I'm happy with how I dress. I'm happy with the gadgets and different things that I have. But all of a sudden, I get to the mall, and I start walking around, and all of a sudden, my clothes aren't quite as cool as I thought they were. And the gadget, the the iPhone 5 that I have just isn't quite as cool as that iPhone 6S that's out there right now. And all of a sudden, I have this discontentment in my life. And I call it the mall effect. And it just impacts all of us. We go and we think that we're all good. And then we see something that we don't have. And there's this discontentment that comes up within us. And I think marketing does a great job of creating that in us. In fact, I found this, this study that they did on college campuses. They went around on college campuses and they asked college students two questions. First question is, is how happy are you? And the second question that they asked the college student is, is how many dates have you had in the last month? Now, when they asked that question, those two questions initially, the happiness factor for the majority for college students was at 82%. When they said, How happy are you? 82% said, Man, I'm really, really happy. I'm enjoying college. You know, and then they followed that up with how many dates have you had in the last month? When they went around and they flipped the questions and they started with the question, how many dates have you had in the last month? And then they asked the question, how happy are you? That dropped down to like 20% of college students were happy. You want to know why? Because their focus was on how many dates they were lacking, and therefore that determined their happiness factor in life. All of a sudden it created some discontentment in their life. In fact, the the study said that this is called a focusing illusion, where whatever you're focusing on is going to cause you to react based on your focus. And so if your focus is on what you don't have, of course, there's going to be all this discontentment in your life. There's going to be like this longing of I want more and I want it now. And our generation uh, uh, right now wants things now more than ever. If you go back a couple of generations, though, if you were to go back, not to the baby boomers, but the builder generation, my grandparents, maybe some of you guys are in that generation, they lived with a totally different mindset. See, they lived with this amazing mindset of, like, if I want to buy something, you know what they would do? They would save their money and pay cash for it. <gasps> like, some of us have never heard about that. Like, you could actually, like, you can save your money and then pay for things with that? You mean you don't just use a credit card? No. Like they lived completely different. They didn't have to have everything right now that we think we have to have right now. And a lot of us are living, are trying to live at our grandparents' lifestyle as a 22-year-old. That has taken them their entire life to achieve, and we just want it right now. That's why Paul, talking to Timothy, who's a younger guy, he says, hey, but godliness with contentment is great gain. He's saying, listen, you can try to go after all those things, but none of those things are going to bring contentment. There's only one thing that is going to be a source of contentment in your life, and that is a relationship with God. All those other things, that electronics that you're going to get, because as soon as you get that iPhone 6S, you know what they're coming out with next month? They're coming out with an iPhone 7, right? And all of a sudden, that, that thing that was so powerful and so great in your mind, all of a sudden is obsolete. Or, or when you get that new pair of jeans, that those, those seven for all mankinds, all of a sudden, like, diesel jeans are cool now, and now you're you're just a loser again and and it just goes on and on because those things can't ever bring contentment to your life there's only one thing that can bring contentment and that's a relationship with God he says for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it but if we have food and clothing we can be content with that man when we when we find the source of our contentment not in things but in a relationship it changes everything Another reason I think a lot of us are, are falling into ruin in life is this disconnection that we're experiencing in life. We're trying to do everything ourselves. We, we, we have this mentality, and this is my mentality so I'm preaching to myself. Like, I got myself into this mess. I got to get myself out of it. Anybody else like that right there? Like, man, I made a mess of this situation. I better clean this up. And so I put all of that on myself. And I think, man, I've got to do this. I've got to make this work. I've got to have this happen in my life. Where the reality is, is we have this God that over and over and over and over again in scripture continually tells us, ask me for help. Seek me and you'll get everything that you need. But yet we take on the mentality like, oh, I'm gonna do this all on my own. And and because we think we can do it all on our own, we end up in the completely opposite direction of where God wants us to go. Because we think, oh man, I'm gonna fix this situation. And our fix just really most of the time creates a mess. Like most of the time when I try to fix things, I create a bigger problem than the problem I started with. Anybody relate there? Got some... Some people that aren't very good at, like, give me some plumbing to do, like, and I'll think that I can fix that, and I'll create a bigger mess than I started with. Like, there'll be more leaks, there'll be more water issues everywhere because of my handiwork. Some of you guys, you guys have experienced some plumbing too. Like, you mess things up. And God's going, like, listen, there's, there's a disconnect there. It's because you're trying to do it your way. You're trying to find your own direction rather than seeking my direction. And a lot of us, I think, in life, we're 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 heading in a direction, and we're making some incredible time. What is going in the wrong direction? What is going to the wrong destination? Reminds me of two guys that were out hunting, and anybody anybody like to hunt out here? Anybody like to kill things? There's like three of us. Okay, uh, it's awesome. Like nothing is better than shooting something and then eating it. It's it's incredible. Uh, You should try it sometime, especially if you like meat. It's great. Uh, Or you can shoot a lettuce and eat it. It's a cool. (laughs) Never tried that before, but it might be for you vegetarians. That's one way to uh, to take it out. Um, But uh, these two guys they were out hunting and they they shot a deer and they uh, they grabbed it by the feet and they were dragging it back to their truck and. They were struggling. They were just struggling, dragging this deer back to the truck because the 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 horns were catching, or the antlers, whatever they are. I'm not a very good hunter. Uh, I like fashion better. Uh, (laughs) Just be honest. Uh, They were catching on, you know. rocks and bushes and all this stuff, and, and a game warden happens to see him, and he's like, hey, you know what, if you pull it by the antlers, like, it's much easier to drag, and so they went to the other end, and they grabbed the antlers, and they're, they're pulling it, and about 10 minutes in, one of the guys goes, man, this is so much easier than pulling it by the feet, and the other guy goes, yeah, but we're, we're getting about two miles away from the truck now, because we're going in the wrong direction, and a lot of us, what we do is we just think, man, if I just switch directions, then I'll, then I'll be heading in the right direction, A lot of us, though, that isn't the solution. The solution is a little bit different. we got to do some things differently. I love what Haggai says. It says, think carefully about how you're living. You have planted many seeds, but the crops you have gathered are small. And so you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you're never full. You put your clothes on, but you are not warm. You earn pay, but it will not buy everything you need. He continues, think carefully about how you are living. And God is saying, like, listen, man, maybe it's time to take a step back and think about how you're living. Maybe it's time to get a different perspective because maybe the way that you're trying to accomplish your goal isn't necessarily the best way to accomplish that goal. And and the question begs to, what if we were to live differently when it came to finances? What if we were to do some things differently? And I think this scripture gives us a really, really great idea of what we're supposed to do and if you're taking notes here number one we have to change the way we think he says think carefully about how you're living he's saying like listen the way you're living man isn't maybe you don't have the right mindset right now for the way that you need to live you're just living in a certain way and I know this you can't change the behaviors you have without changing your beliefs first Because everything is dictated based on what you think and what you believe is going to always dictate your behavior. And so we behave based on how we think. And for a long time in America, in fact, the entire world, there was a thought process that was out there, especially in the late 1800s and early 1900s, that it was humanly impossible for somebody to run a mile in under four minutes. Like, they thought that it was physically, there was no possible way that a human could could run at that pace and at that speed. And for over 100 years, they believed this with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. People would run in the four minutes, but nobody could ever break into the three-minute barrier. Until 1954, when a guy named Roger Bannister decided, like, you know what, I believe that it is possible. And in 1954, he finally did break into the three-minute time frame. He, He ran, like, three minutes and 58 seconds. The first person in the world to ever do it. Change an entire mindset. Within the next three years, 16 other people had gone and done it. Because the way we thought and the way we believe dictated our actions. And so if we're going to change our actions in life, we've got to change our beliefs. That's why Proverbs tells us, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped on your thoughts. The way you think Is really critical because the thoughts that you're having right now are going to become the words that you speak and the words that you speak are going to become the actions that you take and the actions that you take are going to form the habits of your life and your habits are going to determine your destiny. They're taking you someplace right now. What you do habitually is taking you to a destination. And if you want to change the destination of where you're heading, you can't just change a habit because habits, you just go back to the same rut that you have. You have to go back to the source of where those habits start. And where the source of those habits starts is right up here in your mind. starts right here in your mind. And what we do is we make decisions based on the way that we see right now, the way that we understand and the way that we believe. And other people make decisions based on the way that they see and the way that they believe. And God's saying, man, you got to change that mindset. Let me give you an example. I love football. Uh, I, I love the NFL. I w- love watching the playoffs especially because there's always controversy in the playoffs. At some point, somebody's going to make a catch that somebody else doesn't think that it's a catch. And if you're rooting for a team and, and somebody fumbles and your team recovers the ball, it doesn't matter if that guy's knee was down, he fumbled the ball. It's your ball, right? Because that's the way you see things. You don't see the other side because that's not your belief. You don't believe in the Cowboys, and so they don't ever make the playoffs. I mean, we could talk about the Dolphins, but we bash them enough here at this church. We're going to give them a break this week. (laughs) We see what we're looking for. And if we're not looking for it, we're not going to see it. And we have a tendency just to kind of go with the flow in life. That's why Paul tells us in Romans, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. He's saying, don't don't do what everybody else is doing. Don't go with the flow because the statistics already told us what the flow is going towards. The flow is ending up in destruction when it comes to their financial future. The flow is jacking up their life and they don't even know it right at the moment. It says but let God transform you into a new person how? By following everybody else? No. It says by changing the way you think. It says man, we got to change the way we think. It says then when we start changing the way we think, then we'll learn to know God's will for you. How many of you guys want to know what God's will for you is? The vast majority of like God, what are you created me for? Like Why am I doing this stuff, man? And, and so if I'm going to understand that, I've got to change the way I think. I can't follow what everybody else is doing. i got to do some things differently. So that means, what if I did something differently when it comes to my finances? And when we allow God to come in and start changing our thinking, we'll see life differently. We'll appreciate things differently. We'll understand things differently. And God wants to shape us through his lens, not our current lens. And so we have to take a step back and we've we got to invite him in on the conversation of our finances. Because how are we supposed to know the way that he thinks about those things if we never ask him about them? It's the concept of pray before you pay. Like, that's a that's a crazy thought right there. Like, let's pray and ask God, see what he thinks about this. We Like, we live with a principle, like, and my wife hates this about me. Um. Anytime we go into a store and we love to shop, I'm just, it's my downfall in life. I love shopping. There's, there's three things I love a lot in life. Shayla, CrossFit, and shopping. Like those, like I'm saying besides God, like those are my, my, my big three in my life. Anybody that spends any time with me, they'll, they'll find that out really quick. And, and, but one of the things is when we go shopping, Shayla can walk into a store and she can buy something right away. Like, she like she sees it, she she wants it. I live by this principle, I always have to walk out, and after I've walked around some other places, if I can't get that thing out of my mind, like, I'll go back and buy it. Part of that is, is because I learned that, man, if I walk away, I, I, I kill discontentment in my life. If I walk away and say, God, do I really need that in my life? I find out the vast majority of the time that I just want that, I don't really need that. But it was changing the way I think instead of just like, man, I see that. i got to have it. It's going, I'm going to take a step back. Instead of just going with what I feel, doesn't matter what I feel. I can't sing. Doesn't matter what I see. Doesn't matter. Let's take a step back and see what God says about that thing. Then I'll make a decision on it. And see, as we start to change the way we think, one of the major things we gotta change the way we think in is we gotta change the way we think about where we put God. Because if you're taking notes, man, we gotta put God first, number two. We gotta put God first, specifically when it comes to our life, more specifically when it comes to finances. You go back to what's God's number one. What's 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 number one in his top ten? Exodus chapter 34, it says this you must worship no other gods for the Lord whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Now, in that scripture, you see a whole bunch of of words called jealous. And and I love that word jealous there because what it's really saying is saying we have this God who desires exclusivity in relationship. Like he wants to be exclusive in his relationship with you, which means that he wants to be first in the relationship with you. He doesn't want any other priority to be your priority. He doesn't want any other relationship to be the first relationship in your life. He wants that place. He wants you when you get sick. He wants your first call to be to him in prayer rather than the doctor to get well. When you're not, when you're depressed, instead of going to the medicine cabinet, he wants you to go to him. He like, he wants to be the first one in the relationship. It, it's it's kind of like this. There's six to seven billion people on the face of this earth. 3.5 to 3.7 of them are women. Um, and, and if I were to go to Shayla today and I would say, Shayla, I love you with all of my heart. Out of the 3.5 to 3.7 million, billion women, not million, billion women, like you're number two. Like you're second on my list. There's one more that's ahead of you, but you're second. How do you think she's gonna react in that situation? I'm going to be sleeping on your couch tonight. Why? Because she wants exclusivity in this relationship. She wants to be number one in that marital relationship with me. In fact, there was a story about a man and a woman that were talking one night, and the woman asked the question that, that I, I would think every man would probably hate to hear, and, and that's this. If, if I were to die, would, would you marry somebody else? And this guy, you know, he's like, oh, man, can I act like I'm asleep? You know, that's not going to work. We're talking. And, and, he's, and he looks at his wife and he's like, well, you know, I, I would probably get pretty lonely. And so, you know, if if you were to die, man, after years, after years, yeah, lots of years, you know, I, I would probably marry somebody else because I'd be alone. And she goes, well well, would would they live in our house? And he goes, well, I mean, we've lived in our house for 15 years. You know, it's, it's, it's halfway paid off. You know, there's not much longer to live here. So for economic reasons, yeah, I, she'd probably, she'd probably move into our house and She's like, so she would sleep right here, and he's like, yeah, she'd probably sleep right here. He's, she's like, well, what about my car? Would she, would she, would she drive my car? And he's like, well, your car's paid off, and so uh, I mean, that, that's a, that's not a car payment, and so just for economic reasons, I, I would, she would probably drive your car. And, and and so the wife thinks, and she goes, well, what about my golf clubs? Would she use my golf clubs? And the guy's like, heck no, she wouldn't use your golf clubs. And she's like, what? Why wouldn't she use my golf clubs? And he goes, because she's left-handed. I'll let that set in there for a moment. <laughs> or maybe I'll just take that one out. Never use that again. Let me just mark that off. I know that that's messed up, but like that's only a problem because exclusivity. Exclusivity in a relationship. This is what I know. Whatever is first in your life shows what's most important to you. Whatever is first shows what you love the most. It's a, it's a principle. The first is a principle. That's why Proverbs 3, 9 tells us to honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income and he will fill your barns and your vats will overflow is what the con- scripture continues to say. It's just this idea of first. It's more than an than amount. You know, a lot of people get focused on an amount. It's this principle of first First. It's the first part being dedicated to God. It's such an important part to God because He knows the first part is the part that He wants, that He requires. You look throughout Scripture and you see over and over and over again God asking for the first part of things. You look at when the children of Israel were coming out of the desert into the promised land. He goes, Hey, that first city, Jericho, that you're going to go to, I want you to take that. And that city's mine. I want you to destroy it. I want that city. That's the first is mine. He says, When you have, when you have. Uh, kids I want that first kid to be consecrated to me and if you don't have a kid take a sheep the first and the very best of your sheep and 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 take that and give that to me he says when you have uh when you grow new food and vegetables and produce the first of the land that belongs to me is this idea that God wants the first part and the first part God wants us to give to him because he's trying to build a people that will give him the first that will trust him and he knows that, man, if we'll trust him, what he'll do is he'll turn around and bless the rest of it for us. And, and, and it's not just a financial principle, it goes to every aspect of our life. It's not just about our finances, it's about our time. It's one of the reasons why we encourage you and give you devotionals. Man, seek God in the morning. When you wake up in the morning, go pray, get in God's word, understand who he is, seek him for the day because the power of the first has to bless the rest to bless has the ability to bless the rest. And so you want to give the first part of your day to God. You don't want to give the first part of your day to Facebook. Facebook doesn't have any potential to bless you. In fact, all Facebook's going to do is it's going to make you feel bad about yourself. Because everybody else's highlight reel is up there while you're living the normalcy of life. You know, CNN doesn't have the ability to bless your day. Even though you might spend the first part of your day, what's going on in the news? That's All that's going to do is that's going to frustrate you. The only one that has the power to bless the rest of your day is God. That's why we need to put him first. I'll never forget when Shayla and I, we made a decision, man, we're going to put God first in our life, in our finances, in our time. Man, God is going to do, like, he's going to be the priority in our life. And and at that moment in time, we are 22 years old. We are $25,000 in credit card debt. Talk about stupid. We We are the epitome of stupid. Like, we thought credit cards were just free money. Because the one thing they don't teach you in school is they don't teach you financial stuff in school. They teach you like how to cook. They teach you about math. They teach you about science. But they don't teach you how to balance a checkbook. They don't teach you about uh, compound interest. They don't teach you about debt. They don't teach you those things. And so we learned the hard way with all this debt. And we were like, man, we started reading about God wants to be first. He wants to be exclusive in a relationship. He wants us to put our trust in him, and he'll bless the rest of it. And we said, you know what, we're going to start this. We're going to start trusting God. In the middle of the worst financial crisis of our life, we said, man, we're going to start trusting God. Within two years, we had gotten completely out of debt. We had no car payments. We bought our first house. We were buying a second house, all because we started, I know it's because we started trusting God in our life. Because we were headed on the verge of financial devastation. Because we had some bad thinking, all of a sudden we started changing our thinking. We said, God, man, we're going to put you first. And God blessed the rest. As a church, we live the same way. Man, when you give here, man, we put 10% aside and we give it away to missions and, and outreach projects and all those things. Why? Not, not because, oh, man, we, we want to do all that stuff, but because we trust God. We say, God, man, you're, you're first in our church. We're going we're gonna to give to you the same principle that individuals live with, we live with as a church. Man, you have the power to bless the rest. We've never needed anything because God has always provided more than enough. And I know some of y'all are thinking, you're going, man, I just can't do that because I can't afford to trust God and put him first. I can't afford to give 10%. And this is what I know. When you make up in your mind that something can't be done, what you'll do is you'll do nothing. True. If you if you just say, man, I, that can't be done, you just give up on it. You don't do anything. And the reason a lot of us, we we have this mindset of I can't afford to trust God is because we live with a scarcity mindset. That if I give, I won't have enough. And that's, that's, that's a really obvious mindset that we would have because that's how we live in this world. But we're not of this world. We're part of God's kingdom when we trust him. And see, in God's kingdom, he lives by a different set of principles. See, when you give, you don't have less. When you give, you actually end up with more. Because this is what i found with God. God can do more with my 90% that I trust him with the 10% than I could ever with the 100% when I tried to manage it myself. And when I, if I don't put him first, I'm taking him out of my financial equation. And so many people roll into our offices and give us phone calls and go, man, my financial situation is a mess. And, and why is God doing this to me? And I'm like, God didn't do nothing to you. Like, have you trusted God? No, I've never, I've never trusted God. I've never put him first when it comes to my finances. And so you want to blame your problems on decisions that you made without ever consulting God and asking him about those decisions. It's his fault. Heck no. But when you put him in the equation, it changes everything. He changes negatives into positive. He changes divisions into multiplications because that's who God is. He's the God of five loaves and two fish feeding 20,000 people and 12 basketfuls left over. See, the only people that get excited about that are the people that have experienced it because they actually do it. See, and the purpose of this, Deuteronomy tells us, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first. It's the purpose of it. And I know if people think right away, like, oh they're 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 doing this because they want our money. Listen, we don't need your money. I don't want anything from you. Not, not a darn thing. In fact, I, I want something for you. So if you, if you don't trust us, hey, listen, Church by the Glades is amazing. I love David. He's an incredible pastor. They're doing incredible things. Give your money to Church by the Glades. Uh, Calvary Chapel, for Lauderdale, doing incredible things. Doug Souter has done an awesome job there. First Church uh, of Coral Springs, where we just had our She Ladies event this week. Man, Pastor Alex is one of my best friends. Incredible, incredible things happening at that church. Give your money there. Man, go down to uh, Church United that's about to happen next weekend sawgrass calvary chapel and uh and and uh, the lighthouse church they're merging together gonna do something awesome down in plantation go give your money to them listen I, I don't want you to miss out on putting god first in your life i don't want you to miss out on what god can do when you actually put him into your equation when it comes to your finances and so like we don't need your money like we're we're fine our bills here are at the school we're paid through may we're good I know that that's weird to hear. Like our bills, are, we actually pay our bills on time. Yeah, we do that as a church. Like we have money in the bank. Side note: Have you ever noticed that you get broke when you're broke? Everything breaks. <laughs> just, just want to make sure. Just want to make sure that wasn't just me. Uh, God has some some interesting ways of working. See, and some people go, well, TJ, that's Old Testament. That's, that's, that's old law. Well, let me give you the new law. Jesus says, I want everything. Last time I checked, 10% is a whole lot less than everything. Not trying to be legalistic or anything, but this was, this was established way before law was ever established. Look back in Genesis, right in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 4, it says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil which meant one of them was a shepherd, the other one was a farmer. It says in the course of time, Cain, who was the shepherd or the the farmer, brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions of some of his firstborn of the flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Now, I want you to see this because this is an important principle. It goes back to this idea of God is all about your first. He's not... He, Like, to me, I could care less about percentages, all those things. I care about where is God in your life. It says, in the course of time, which means that that Cain brought, Cain went, he made sure that everything was covered, and after everything was covered, out of his surplus, he brought those things back to God, where Abel, on the other hand, he brought from the very first of what had been produced, and he said, hey, God, in this moment, I'm going to trust you. There's a big difference between giving to God out of your surplus and trusting God when you don't know if a surplus is coming. And what God is after is he is after about building a people that aren't just going to pay God some token like appreciation, but are saying, God, no matter what happens, even though I can't see and I don't understand and I don't know where it's going to come from, I'm putting you first and I'm trusting you first before anything else. And some people, you could be giving 10% and missing out on this whole idea of putting God first. Trusting him with everything. And how do you know which one's first? If you were to come over to my house and you were to work and I was to pay you $1,000, $10, $100 bills. I would have put $10, $100 bills in your hand. Which one is first? The first one you spend. That's what's first. And so God's saying, man, I, I want to be First. And when Shayla and I, man, when we figured this out, we, we were like, God, we, we're putting you first. We don't want to pay Comcast first because they're definitely not going to bless the rest. Like, they're going to, they're going to, like, you guys have Comcast too. You know that. Uh, you know, I don't want to give it to Publix. Why? I appreciate Publix and their food and their shopping is, is a pleasure most of the time. It's way better than Walmart. They're not going to bless the rest. You know who has the power to bless the rest? God does. And I'm not being legalistic about it. We we try to make sure that's the first thing that goes out of our account. We're not legalistic, but we believe in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first God's kingdom and what God wants. And what does God want? God wants to be first. Then all your other needs will be met. And I know somebody's gonna push back and go, but TJ, you don't understand. If I were to do what you're saying, like I would have to change everything about my life. And that's exactly what God wants from you. He wants you to change everything in your life so it revolves around him. And I know that that's a a crazy concept in today's world when everything in life is supposed to revolve around us. And God is saying, no, no, no. Like if you would stop revolving your world around you and you start revolving your world around me, your life would change dramatically. And you'd get a vision for your future in that point. You'd end up getting a vision for your future. See, what we need to do is we need to change the way that we think. We need to put God first, and then we need to get a vision for our future. Because here's the deal. What was that? Three weeks ago, $1.5 billion Powerball. Is that right? You guys remember that? People people playing Powerball, putting $2 in there. I was watching CNN. CNN did this whole special on it. They said that for 25% of Americans, their financial future was winning the Powerball. That was their plan. That was the plan to solve all of their problems. Some of you, you're like, that was my plan to solve all my problems too. Like I was like, I was figuring out, like, I had 1.5 billion spent. Like I knew, like, some of it was going over here. Aunt Sally was getting 10 grand. My mother-in-law was getting zero. You know, like you had it all planned out. Now, what's crazy about that is that that you'll build a plan for a $1.5 billion Powerball that you have like $1.5 billion and one chance to win, but you won't build a plan for the $3,000 you're going to get for your paycheck this month. Oh, there's not a lot of laughter right there, huh? Like, we'll, we'll build a plan for imaginary life, but what about a real life? Will Rogers says, man, if you don't know where you want to go, it doesn't matter where you end up. And some of us, we're just kind of ending up wherever life takes us. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. That's what Romans told us. But yet, we're, we're just flowing. That's why Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, people are unrestrained. They're just living aimlessly and and I've kind of lived by this principle that I want to share with you here that, that radically changed my life when, when I figured it out. And it, it goes like this. The clearer the vision, the fewer the options, the easier the decision. The clearer the vision you can get for your life, specifically when it comes to finances, the clearer the vision you can get for where you wanna be. Like you determine, man, this is where I wanna be at retirement. This is where I wanna be. I wanna be debt-free. I wanna be putting away this amount of money. Like you get a vision for where you wanna go. And I would say that for everybody, you need to have at least a baseline of what I call the 80-10-10 rule. 10% goes to God, 10% goes to savings. You can spend the 80% of it. If you live your life like that, you would end up great at the end of your life. Instead of the average American spending 103% of their income. Get a vision for where you want to go. As you get a vision for that, you have options that are out there. You can you can go to Best Buy and you can buy that new 70-inch flat screen TV with a curved LED around the outside and surround sound system. I mean it's zero interest for six months. And that would look good in the living room, man. Can you imagine all the single 20-year-olds gaming on that? Like, you'll never get a date. It's awesome. But if you have a vision for your future, you'll go, let's see, I can go buy that and end up in debt. Or my vision is to be debt-free, have money in the bank, so when that girl comes along, I can actually afford a ring for her. The easier my decision is, like, go into debt, have a future. Makes it pretty clear. Makes it pretty simple. We can do this with every area of our life. It starts with man. Is God at the center of it? Is God right in the midst of it? And I understand some of you guys are really like, man, that's so overwhelming. I don't even know where to start. Listen, if you're if you're struggling in that, we've got a connect group out there called Financial Peace. It'll help you discover a financial vision for your life. It'll help you get some of those things in order. Sign up for that connect group. Don't miss out on an opportunity to, to fix that area of your life. If you're too embarrassed to show up with that, man, fill out a connect card. Put in, like, I need financial help. Like, we'll sit down and we'll help you get a plan. We'll help you take steps. I don't want us to walk around aimlessly. I don't want us to be led into destruction in life when we don't have to be because God's got so much more than what we're currently settling for there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 7 and like let me just say on the front end this is completely out of context when it comes to this subject but I think it's so applicable from a principle standpoint so don't email me saying that you took that out of context I know I am but when it comes to finances I think a lot of people they live this way For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. A lot of us, we're we're just going with the flow. And it's easy to go with the flow. It says, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Church, let's not follow the majority. Down a road that's going to lead us to heartache and pain and despair and sleepless nights and anxiety well let's begin to change our mindset put God first in our life and seek out his preferred future for us let's pray Father God I just come before you and I just lift up people right now because I know that this is a this is a tough subject for all of us because anytime we start talking about our stuff it's the Bible tells us that where our money is, that's where our treasure is. And we're, when we start talking about our stuff and our money, like it's it's getting to the root of our heart. And it can be a painful procedure in our life. But God, I, what I know is, is that you don't really want something from us. You want something for us. You want us to live with peace. You want us to live with joy. You want us to live stress free lives where we're not wondering and wandering through our life how we're going to make it to the next paycheck that's not how you designed us to live you designed us to live a life that is so much more than that in fact Jesus told us I've come to give life and give it more abundantly like like God you have so much more than what we settled for God I pray that as some of us we've just kind of gone along the road of what everybody else is doing that today would be a wake-up call for us God, that we wouldn't continue to put our trust in what everyone else is doing or what we think is right, but that, God, that we would take a step back in this moment. And we go, like, what does what is, what is the other side of the coin look like? What does God actually say about the decisions that I'm making? Like, maybe I should pray before I pay here, God. And that we would, we would look around at our life and say, God, where are you in the pecking order of importance and priority in my life. Are you you way down on the list or are you in first place? And maybe today is a day that we say, you know what, I'm gonna shift some things around. I'm gonna get my priorities back in order because if I can get my priorities in order, if I can get my thinking in order, it changes everything. And so God, I pray right now that we would put our focus, that we would put our trust in you. That we would find our peace and our contentment In our connection in you. That we wouldn't be disconnected and discontent. But we would find you as a source of everything in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.